0: This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like minded shows, visit howweare.org.
1: That's H O W W E A R E.org.
0: and welcome to another episode of 100 words or less the podcast i'm your host ray harkins here we are episode number 72 our guest this week is mr jeff eaton the vocalist from modern life is war i conducted this interview a while ago i have a tendency to get really excited about scheduling guests and then uh you know i just keep shows hanging out for a while and I, I apologize if that offends you, because sometimes I talk about it on Twitter. Like, hey, we got this person on the podcast, and then you have to wait for like a month. But uh, I don't think I'm really ready to do two shows a week, because that shit, I mean, that's crazy. That would be like two hours for each one of you to spend on this show. And I just, I don't think it's there yet, man. Sorry, gotta be honest. But anyways, more on Jeff in a minute. Propertyofzack.com. Go visit the site. Find out more about your favorite band or your new favorite band. Find out about where they're touring. Find out about why you should buy their new record. There's all of these things you can do on the site and become a more well-rounded individual, and you will know and be in the know. So check it out. We love them. They love us. Booyah. You can also review the show. Go to iTunes, drop some stars, drop some sentences... I do appreciate that. People are so nice. They drop me messages, emails, being like, hey, I reviewed the show. Just wanted to let you know. And I mean, I already know because I check it kind of compulsively. Uh, and I don't know what's so compelling about it. I think it's just the, the interactivity and the fact that I can see people's honest opinions on the show. And it really kind of guides my own vision of what the show should be. Because ultimately, I mean, I'm doing this for myself because I'm selfish, But I'm also doing this for you. And if you are like, hey, you should get this guest on, I want to know about it. One gripe. I wouldn't even call it a gripe. One thing I wanted to talk about. And then we'll talk about Jeff. And then we'll talk in the interview for him. So, cassette store day. This is a thing now. Uh, For those of you that aren't aware, uh, the cassette medium is making quite a comeback uh, in in ways that uh, most people would never have predicted in the first place. But... uh, now in the advent of record store day and how successful that has become and for those of you that don't know what a record store day is basically it's one day in april that is designated to be the day in which many bands record labels release special releases people wait in absurd lines show up very early in the morning to independent record stores, and it gives a boost to sales for that day. I participated in almost every single one because I'm a big vinyl guy. So that quote unquote holiday is perfect for me. So cassette store day. I don't know what annoys me about it, but cassette as a medium is, it's cute. It's adorable. I made mixtapes. Like when I started listening to music, tapes, you know, existed. I remember buying cassette singles in like the early nineties when I was like 11 or 12, because I didn't want to buy, I didn't have $16 16 to $17 to buy full-length, I had $4. So here you go. I'm going to buy, you know, the newest Dr. Dre single, and it's going to have the song, and then it's going to have, like, four instrumentals <laughs> or remixes or something. Uh, so I thought I was getting value out of it. But, like I said, trying to pinpoint my frustration is too strong of a word. Annoyance. I guess I'm annoyed with, with cassettes and the idea of cassette store day. Um, you know, if you celebrate that medium that's awesome. More power to you. And you're like, this is far superior to vinyl. I would argue very strongly that you're wrong. I don't know. Is it, like, is it nostalgia that is triggering this? Is it the fact that you know, you're trying to be kind of cool and edgy and ahead of the curve? I don't know. Because cassettes as a medium, just that don't make sense to me at all. Probably in the same way that people that listen to digital files are like, what the fuck are you doing buying so much goddamn vinyl? And I get that. I can't argue that. Uh, just from a sheer space perspective. Um, but it's not like you can make the argument that cassettes sound better. They don't. Scientifically proven. You know, I think on Mythbusters, I think they did an episode on that. I'm being sarcastic, but you get the point. You can't argue that you an artwork, it's a piece of art because it's, it's smaller than a CD. And, you know, you can't really appreciate the art from that perspective. Um, I guess it's cool to do colored tapes. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so much that's wrapped up into it that annoys me. So, if you are annoyed by Cassette Store Day, or you think I'm stupid by being annoyed by that, email the show, 100 podcast at gmail.com. Anyways, Jeff Eaton, Modern Life is War. Quite a big band within the context of hardcore independent music. Um, They made quite an impact in the early aughts, I love to call them, once they announced that they were going to be doing a reunion I don't even call it a reunion, but basically they were going to release another record and they were going to get back together to play some shows. The point of this interview was not, hey, why are you getting back together? Because that's like the typical question that Jeff got for you know months leading up to the record being released and months afterwards were like, oh my gosh, talk about how rad it is to be back. I just wanted to talk because even though I had never met Jeff before, I knew his kind of trajectory. I knew that he had moved to Los Angeles when a lot of people didn't know that. And so it was just interesting for me to kind of trace his, you know, lineage and kind of find out why, you know, he did what he did, why he quit the band at the time that he did and, you know, kind of why it imploded and I don't know, just the, the interesting history behind it and the fact that, you know, he lives in the Midwest, which I always find a very interesting thing as well. So without further ado, here is Jeff Eaton. Here's our conversation. Interesting stuff. Bye. you guys have done musically um huh? so i'm gonna take you back to uh i want to say 2007 2008 i can't remember exactly but i think it was the first year you guys played sync with cali and i so that that may have been 2007 i have no idea do you remember <laughs> oh
1: man it's seems a little earlier than that to me but also my memory on those kind of things is, is pretty hazy sometimes so uh, that, that might be about right maybe a bit earlier than that it might have been
0: like 06 or something yeah no I think you may be right between the both of us we'll put together a date that is completely wrong
1: yeah
0: <laughs> I just remember because I think it was actually right around the time you guys released my love my way on martyr mm-hmm. I don't know it's just so it's so interesting to watch these things develop with bands that aren't from your particular area when you guys came out there was such a palpable excitement of like okay there's this band they're from fucking iowa but they're great it's going to be really interesting to watch them play and i just remember the i guess excitement in the air for you guys playing i don't know if you remember that particular show or that feeling of like going to places that you guys have never been before but then there's already kind of a, a small reaction to what you guys were doing
1: yeah i definitely have uh have a fond memory of that show and I remember it being a really great set you know i remember Kind of hanging out uh, on on the beach before and afterwards, and, and that being really nice and, uh, that was in Rotondo, I think. It was beautiful yeah. out there. But no, I do I do remember a lot of excitement, uh, not only uh, within myself, but uh, you know, it seemed like the crowd had a had a had a good excitement about us at that time. And of course, you know, that that was always exciting being away from home like that, and having a you know a lot of people in a room that were really ready to see us. Uh, I think it was, it was kind of interesting at that time because. When we would play shows like that, people started to assume that we were, you know, like a much bigger band than we actually were, mm. um, because for every, you know, one of those shows we played, we probably played a dozen shows where there was, you know, three or four people in the room who weren't quite that excited. So, right. you know, that was that that, that was definitely, a, I think, you know, it's not a high point around that time, like definitely one of the high points.
0: Yeah, I definitely always remember that experience because I, I played in bands for years too. And I just always remember like anytime you went to a place and there was, you know, even if it was like 20 kids going off for what you were doing, you almost wanted to like go up to each and every one of them and be like, hey, how did you hear of us? Because that was like,
1: yeah, that, that
0: that was the dawn of that time in the mid 2000s. You know, the internet obviously started to take hold, but it wasn't as uh developed, obviously, social networking wise as it is now. So it was always like, how how did you find out about us? Like, please tell me. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was a little more mysterious, I think. Yeah, how how, how did people find your band? And uh, I think there was a little more actual word of mouth mm-hmm. going around at that time, where you know people really were like playing, uh, I don't know, playing like a record for each other at at their house or something like that, rather than just kind of like sharing a link or something.
0: Yeah. Another great place to find out about yourself, you know, Marshalltown. And was that your, uh, your birthplace? And tell me about your, uh, I guess your family structure kind of growing up like brothers and sisters and stuff like that.
1: Um, yeah, I was born and raised in Marshalltown. So I was there from the time, you know, I was born there and then I was there until I graduated high school. So, you know, first 18 years of my life, I have an awesome family my and i just have one sibling which is uh my sister jennifer she's two years older than i am okay in her um uh, my parents they're great you know they're still married to this day um uh, i always considered us like a, a total like middle class family but i think that was probably a little more like middle class for where we were at i think especially uh when i was young we were probably truly like a working class family in every sense of the word you know both my parents worked. uh uh-huh. My dad worked at uh, at Lennox, which um, they make heaters and air conditioners.
0: Okay, yeah. i sure
1: you've heard of that name. Yeah, so he works there and, and actually still works there at that factory. And uh, originally, lived he would actually walk across the street uh, to work every day. Uh, we lived right by the factory, and you know, my parents shared a car for for a couple of years. we had a great family, essentially like very solid, very loving and supportive. And it was generally a very good upbringing. I was kind of like don't want people to think that i uh <laughs> i had like a terrible life growing up there so i really did uh, yeah. not really like what a lot of the lyrics are about or you know that's kind of like my more personal thing a little bit as i got a little bit older uh for sure than like you know that i had a really you know bad childhood or something like that
0: the common concept of people creating art especially when you're talking about like outsider art such as you know obviously what we do with an independent music and then you know film, right. films and all that type of stuff and There has to be some root in misery where it's like, oh, I I had the worst childhood or whatever, like, you know, all these terrible stories that you have to have Mm -hmm. these things in order to create art, which isn't necessarily the case a lot of the times.
1: Yeah, it's it's not true at all. Yeah.
0: And so I I always find it interesting when a a person such as yourself, obviously, you know, you're raised with a very, um, like you said, a working class perspective where it's like, okay, you know, they're going to the factory. And, you know, that isn't a common experience, especially, I mean, it's a dying breed that our parents, that generation is kind of the last generation that will really truly know that experience firsthand, you know, like you were able to witness that. I I find that so interesting. And like, you know, your worldview is broadened. Like, do you look at that and are like, man that's
1: great i got to see that yeah it is i mean it was a uh was a very uh simple way of of growing up i think i definitely learned like a certain work ethic that i've applied to pretty much everything i've done in my life it was was pretty simple you know we uh didn't have like a a ton of money yet like i was never hungry and uh you know i just i just remember being really active like playing outside a lot you know like even video games like Nintendo didn't really come into the picture until like, you know, I mean, it was definitely during my childhood, but like, you know, the original Nintendo was like, just came into the picture, like when I was young and obviously the internet wasn't really a thing. And, you know, so I, I have pretty good memories of my childhood just being simple and, and happy and not really, not really knowing much of the world or caring much to know yeah. right right
0: right and what does your mom do for a living uh my mom she's done a few different things in my lifetime but
1: for a very long time she worked she's worked for uh, marshall county uh she works you know for the government which is at a county level mm-hmm. uh she right now she does uh funding for mental health patients of marshall county okay so you know she's basically just a county desk job but you know, I think she performs a pretty uh, valuable function for a lot of local people. So that's very cool and something to be proud of.
0: Yeah, I guess because of the community you were raised in, like, did you, did you feel a true sense of like, hey, we know our neighbors and, you know, we go to sort of community events and that type of stuff? Or was it kind of, you know, like, uh, sort of modern suburban living where it's like, yeah, you know, you may wave hi to the people you live next door to, but you don't really actually know them?
1: Um. Well, once we moved, And actually, you know, we moved when I was in first grade. And we moved, uh, like, basically to the opposite end of town, more or less. Uh, We lived on a a little dead-end street, uh, which my parents still lived there. And definitely on that street, there was a a big sense of of community. Like, all the kids on the street knew each other, and we would go down to the end of our street. Since It was a dead-end. There was, like, a forest and, uh, and a creek down there. And so we would kind of spend our summers like making rope swings and building forts and uh, <laughs> riding our bikes and sure and riding our skateboards and doing all that kind of stuff. So and then you know and pretty much everyone on the street like all the families knew each other and uh, we, we would even have block parties in the summertime and stuff like that. So it was definitely like a cool small town vibe where everyone's kind of watching out for each other and having fun with each other and stuff like that. Definitely a cool neighborhood. I mean changed a little bit since it, it seems like, but um definitely definitely back then it was a very strong community sense.
0: Sure. How how large is the city to begin with? Because I don't have any concept of that.
1: It is the town itself? Yeah. It's about twenty five to thirty thousand, I believe, is what it's at now, which is probably about the same size as it always was actually and I don't really know that it's grown or, or diminished a lot, but sure. Right around there. The difference is I don't know, you know, what where you grew up or whatever, but that was almost kinda interesting because, you know, there's cities, you know, let's say New Jersey, for example, that are, you know, that size, when you drive out of that city, you drive directly into another city that's a similar size, like when you drive out of Marshalltown in any direction, there's going to be, you know, a half an hour of Mm nothing. So, you know, in other directions, even longer. So it's not really like a suburb of something larger, you know, it's just kind of on its own, which is, I think, more more of a Midwest thing than, than you find on the coast.
0: Typically. oh yeah definitely well yeah i was i was born in vegas people are like who the hell's born in vegas i'm like i know i know <laughs> yeah like people go there yeah. to gamble and that's kind of it but yeah so yeah no i can i can, right. I can see what you're saying and that's so it essentially it was his own little uh you know its own town that you know it, it survived on its own and it wasn't a suburb of something else like you said you know as you started to grow up and your formative years were in Marshalltown as well and when i say formative like once you started to go to junior high and high school and that type of stuff living in a town like that is isolating in and of itself. Did you start to get that sort of cabin fever, so to speak, where you're just like, hey, I want to. I wonder what else is out there? And like, you know, how did, when did that kind of become a part of your life?
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely, definitely got that cabin fever sort of thing. I was actually talking to my friend Johnny about this the other day and conversation or, you know, a question that I've had in my life a lot of different times, but I mean, I associate those kind of feelings directly with like really discovering music Mm -hmm. or discovering punk music, because I I just immediately identified with it and it kind of like reaffirmed that certain uh, like ideas or suspicions that, that I had had um, that I just, you know, when there's nothing around, like when you're really young and you allegedly don't know anything, or at least you're kind of told you don't know anything (laughs) um, and you, and you have these ideas and there's no one to, confirm them or like push you along uh with that line of thinking then you just kind of you just can't be very confident with it and i think that was kind of like what discovering certain records was for me it was kind of just like hey you know i'm right there are other people who you know feel this way and you know maybe maybe it is justified for me to feel this way and i need to like kind of follow this so you know i always kind of wonder if that was that was a good thing or not, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I think it was, I'm, I, w- I may be way more successful in different terms in my life at this point, had I never like discovered that or really like fell into it. Um, so, you know, I feel like the time and money that I've, you know, I don't want to say wasted, but that's how a lot of people would see it. You know, like, yeah, basically I discovered this thing and became obsessed with it. And now here I am at, uh, you know, 32 years old and I'm still like, neglecting responsibilities that I'm supposed to be being important and I'm still like basically fucking around with that music and those ideas that I found so many years ago. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it was definitely the music that, that made me, uh, that made me start feeling, I guess, like angry or frustrated or, you know, wanting to, wanting to kind of get out or yeah, all those things.
0: diverting from what I was going to ask you, but I think you brought up a really important point. I mean, I'm the same exact age as you, because that's always been something I've wrestled around with as well. Like I'm, I mean, I'm married and I have a child and like, you know, there's a lot of adult shit that I do, but I'm essentially, I've been doing the same stuff since I was 15 years old. But I think on top of that, I think there's, you know, there's some sense of like the whole Peter Pan complex of, you know, getting lost and like, okay, I'm going to be 40 and I'm going to have like, quote unquote, nothing to show for it from a real world perspective. Yeah. But But I think that there's a little twist on that because you can still, I mean, we're the first generation that could really, I guess, explore our passions without feeling the pressures of like, well, you don't have a choice. Like you have to go, you know, like your parents, like I have to go work at the factory. I have to provide for my family. And I think a lot of us don't have those same obligations because of the hard work that our parents have put in. And so I think there's something interesting where it's like, yeah, you can, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, fuck around longer, but I think you are able to kind of uh, hone some responsibilities that may have taken you longer in the workforce. There's a lot wrapped into what you said that I really, you know, not only identify with personally, but I think a lot of people have those same feelings.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I wrote about, that's a subject a lot on the record. I think really itching to you know have people hear the lyrics and, or read the lyrics. You know, kind of respond to that. And I, I don't know that it seems that a lot of times we put out a record like the lyrics that I really want people to uh, respond to or notice. They don't. And the ones that I feel are, are just a little more like yeah. not throw away. But you know, the ones that aren't as important to me are the ones that people like really like grab a hold of and like you know whatever like make make kind of a central theme. But like we have. We have a song on the new record uh, called Health, Wealth, and Peace. You know, the first line is just in the pursuit of health, wealth, and peace. You know, I kind of feel like a lot of times with hardcore or with punk rock, you know, you kind of get this almost like this anti-money sentiment or something where it's like if you are successful... I'm too high of a level like that's bad or if you make money that's bad or if you whatever it is you know if it's not nihilistic and hateful then it's not a good thing and uh uh, it's
0: it's the idea of punk rock guilt that's it that's totally what it is yeah right
1: yeah and it's total bullshit you know because I feel like collectively like there is that that kind of vibe where like we're supposed to like completely disregard that, but everyone in their personal life is working towards those things, you know, health, wealth, and peace. Everyone's trying to get there, whether they admit it or not, or what age they realize that that's really like what they're after. I really think that that's, you know, what people are after. And then, you know, I kind of expand on that by saying, you know, what is wealth, you know? And then there's a song later, much later in the record, it's called Currency. And that's kind of like the songs basically kind of like asking question, what is wealth? And, you know, wealth is time and spending that time with, like, people you love. And that's, I guess, really, you know, maybe a oversimplified way to look at it. But really, you know, if you have time and you know how to spend that time wisely and you're surrounding yourself with good people, I don't think you'd ever regret that, essentially. You know, whereas, amassing a amassing a fortune and doing whatever you had to do to amass that fortune i think anyone could easily imagine how you would have horrible regrets about that you know let's say on on your deathbed you know you could really look back and say okay well i amassed all this and now i can't take any of it with me the one thing that i really had was time and and those people that i loved and i didn't spend that time and now there's nothing they can they can give me that back yeah and so i you know i've definitely been thinking about those things a lot as you know especially as i was like restarting the band uh past the age of 30 it was you know a pretty scary thing and i think that to some extent you know my parents were kind of like what in the fuck are you doing you know like <laughs> yeah. like, we, like we've already been through this once you know and like <laughs> not that it wasn't great and not that they're not proud of me but like god you you know it's like you're a button for punishment you know like you don't you don't know when to quit just kind of move on but
0: right haven't you learned from your mistakes jeff <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. Well, and I, I think I was really trying to, and uh, I was trying to learn from those mistakes and trying to find a different way to live. Yeah. It uh, essentially wasn't so difficult because uh, making your own living like independently, you know, cleaning a band or doing a lot of the things that they do, I love it, but it makes life fucking difficult, you know, and, uh, and that, that gets tiring. I think that, you know, again, I'm not really just trying to plug the new record at all, but it's really relevant to the conversation. You know, there are definitely songs about kind of committing to that, just saying, okay, I know this is going to be difficult. I know that this isn't the way a lot of people are going to do it, but like I am committing to this and I am going to do it this way. And, you know, that goes beyond just the band, like doing the band. You know, it just kind of applies to my whole life and and the way I want to live it, the way I want to
0: yeah no no i think i I totally think that's completely irrelevant so you know kind of to go back to what we were what i was originally talking about in regards to you know as you started to discover music and your worldview started to change was that in high school when it started to become uh, a part of your life
1: yeah pretty much right between middle school and high school kind of terribly like pinpointing those kind of things but (laughs) Yeah, yeah i would say i would say kind of like summer after eighth grade is when that was really starting to hit for me uh, right, right before I was going into high school. Uh That's an extremely awkward and confusing time anyways. And then uh, throwing that into the mix made it even better and even worse i think
0: and i'm sure uh because of the you know just the sheer numbers that you had to pull from in regards to kids that were going to your high school i'm sure it was isolating from the fact that you know punk and hardcore probably wasn't a, a staple in all of your classmates listening rotation so i'm sure there was there's was that as well
1: that actually wasn't a bad part of it because The first person in the band that I really started hanging with was was Chris, who plays bass. Me and him connected through music, and we we had known each other before that, but didn't really connect. And we connected through music, and he was playing in a band with John. And so I started like going to those guys' practices, hanging out and uh, skating with them and stuff like that. I was really kind of in the process of falling out from my old group of friends who were, uh, I don't know, I mean a great bunch of guys more or less, but they were kind of, you know, more into like, I guess more just had like the jock mentality and uh, you know, were starting to like fuck around with like drinking and drugs and stuff like that, which is, you know, at the time I just, I wasn't ready for that and I didn't really identify with the way they were going or kind of the way their thinking was at the time. So I was really looking for something, you know, and I kind of discovered the music and then very soon after I discovered the music, I found a bunch of other people who were kind of, you know, feeling the same way as me. And a lot of those guys are in, in the band, You know, like still to this day, mm-hmm. so that's a really cool thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. That's, that's awesome. As you started to kind of dive into this, how did it sit with your parents and family? You guys, I presume didn't really have a legitimate venue. You were just doing shows at like VFW halls and stuff like that. And, you know, you kind of had to create your own scene in a way, I'm sure.
1: Oh yeah, we totally did. I mean, there wasn't even, uh There wasn't even an older punk band, (laughs) you know. There there wasn't even anyone to kind of say, okay, yeah, well, this is the way to do this shit, you know. I mean, we're literally making it up as we went. Of course, we're kind of pulling some information from other places, but only as much as we could or we could understand, like, without really having internet access or anything like that. So, like, we really, literally created our own scene. did absolutely everything top to bottom, you know, which uh, I didn't even... Think about that much of the time. Like, wasn't really like, hey man, we're really DIY and we're we're doing this cool underground shit. It was just like, hey, so this band, like, you're, you know, this band really needs to play a show, so we have to figure this out, you know. And then, like, all right, we need to advertise this so who's gonna go make a flyer and you know, kind of like this Xerox aesthetic, what we had to work with, you know. Once again, so it was just kind of funny looking back, you know, where it's like now. Some DIY stuff that I see is very reactionary and very like, you know, Hey, fuck you we're DIY. You're not. Or like, Hey, we, you know, <laughs> yeah, like our fires are like Xerox and like, you know, like we're, I don't know, whatever you kind of a, a snotty attitude with people who do stuff like that. And if, you know, we were doing that in you know, 1993 or whatever the year was, uh, and, and, not that we're like fucking old school or anything, like I'm totally not a person who feels like that or talks like that, but you know, we were doing that shit like a long ago. Here's basically here's a go. Uh and it was just out of necessity, like, okay, this show and so you know, we gotta round up a, a PA of some sort. Like, we have to uh, do all the shit that we need to do for this show, make the flop, right? And, and go out and put the flyers up and try to get people to go and take the money, put up the money at the end of the night and then, you know, make sure that we have however much set aside so we can, you know, bankroll our next show with all the expenses that are going to go into that. And, all you know, things with such a, such a great and positive experience that I think we can carry with us at least in some respect, like, throughout, throughout all the years.
0: Did your parents have any sense of, or like, were they confused when you started to do this? Were they like, what are, what are these kids doing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it was a little confusing. they a little just kind of out of
0: their element. You know, they didn't really know exactly what to
1: make of it. Mm-hmm. I think they, they were seeing it as going from clean cut all American kids to like, you know, all this weird punk shit, like having spray, like homemade spray painted back patches, like, dig deep into your jacket or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. and I I can see how if you aren't really acquainted with that kind of a thing, you might just take it as like a big warning sign that everything's about to go terribly wrong, you know, but in in my case, I I think I actually was removing myself from a bad situation uh, where, you know, my older friends were kind of like getting into, you know, having sex way too young or like doing different drugs stuff like that to a group of people, you know, I mean, they were, I'm not going to say that they were like, but like they were like on their, becoming burnouts almost. Yeah. And, uh, to where I, and then I just found a group of people who were, uh, you know, just excited about music and weren't really like drinking or doing drugs or any of those kind of things yet. Like we were all like fairly innocent, more like excited about things. And those were the kind of people I wanted to be around, like not people who are trying to be cool, so people who were just excited about things and had a ton of energy to put towards those things they were excited about really felt at home once I kind of got in that environment.
0: And so then, uh, please tell me that modern life is war was not your first band. You had to have played in a terrible band before that, right? Maybe.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I, I sang in this band in high school. Uh, Tyler plays drums played it with me. It's called fight against time. Okay. Uh, we were—I I don't remember exactly how bad we were, and I don't have a recording to, to reference that. Right. But I—I'm—I'm I'm pretty sure we were just terrible.
0: Were you trying to be sort of pop punky in a way? Because it sounds like a pop punk band name.
1: We were just like general like punk with maybe like a little bit of a hardcore leaning. Like, okay. Okay. I think like I can't—I just can't sing, you know? Right. I can't, <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like so, I've always probably just like notched up the aggressiveness of whatever I've done, uh, almost as a pragmatic thing because if I notch it down
0: it might not sound very good. (laughs) Right. uh, Sure, sure. So I don't know, Tyler
1: played drums, and he's always been a really good drummer.
0: Once you find a good drummer, you, you want to do everything you possibly can to hold on to that person, because it's like, oh, I get along yeah. with you, I get along with you, and you're extremely talented at drums. Let's do, <laughs> Yeah. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, I would say Tyler is as difficult as any other drummer. You know how they're all like, <laughs> weird and difficult? Of course. Uh, I would I, I would say that he is completely in that category, although we, we have always got along really well, and I, I have chosen to play advanced in three times now so but yeah and then we we played in a, another band together uh when i was in college actually when i moved from Marshalltown, like pretty much the first person that i met this guy named sean reed he, he actually runs a really cool record label that, that he's still doing right now it's called uh, night people Records. okay and uh and he also plays in a band called wet hair Got both his label and his band very very well it's in a completely kind of different part of the music scene than you know what like you know my band operates within but mm-hmm. uh, So, anyways that's kind of beside the point but Sean does a lot of cool stuff but we we met when I went to school in, in Cedar Falls at UNI and he uh we just kind of bonded immediately over music and he was into a lot of things that that I hadn't heard yet at the time like uh I, I guess towards the end of high school I, I had started to listen to some hardcore but wasn't really associated it with like being a whole different scene at all. Like, I was listening to, you know, Minor Threat, but also newer bands like Ensign and Good Riddance and uh, even old Grab stuff like You Today and TV. Sure. But I, I, uh, I, I get exposed to the hardcore scene in high school, but that was like, you know, like I graduated high school in 99. So, um, when I met a bunch of, you know, kind of quote, hardcore kids, um, they were from this other town in Iowa, they were like very like victory record, you know, earth crisis, Snapcase, uh, even like Chokehold cold or like, sure. You know, of course. stuff like that. He was like, Oh, this is hardcore. Like I fucking hate it. You know, like this is terrible. Just cause I didn't really like the, I, I've never been like a metal guy. So I didn't really like the sound. First of all, mm-hmm. it seemed like a, a more of a, and militant mentality than what I was accustomed to. So that was kind of strange. But anyways, so I, you know, and I came to appreciate some of that stuff and, you know, really hated other parts of it. So anyways, um, but when I met Sean, I kind of, like, exposed him to the kind of hardcore that that I was into, and uh, he exposed me to just, I guess, weirder stuff. Like, he was listening to Bugazi, which I I hadn't really, like, sank my teeth into yet, Jawbreaker, you know, You know, one of my favorite bands ever, and I'm trying to to think of other stuff he was listening to. He was even listening to stuff like, I guess, like Cap and Jazz. Oh, sure. Like indie stuff, but like, you know, really, really cool indie stuff that that I hadn't been exposed to yet. We started a band together uh, called called My Pet Robot, and uh, (laughs) it's a funny band name, like a a weird band. I
0: love it though, because I can, like, anytime you hear a band name, you immediately get a certain sound in your head. All those bands that you were just naming, definitely have uh <laughs> like there there could be a, a sonic similarity between what you were trying to do and that that stuff that you were introduced to
1: yeah yeah for sure once again i i don't think that band was good yeah and and there were there are people who you know are friend, friends of mine you know locally and stuff will still swear by how good it was <laughs> like no it, it was not yeah I, I think i think maybe it had its moments here and there or like it was it was touching on ideas that were you know, maybe really good ideas. And and I think I went on to pursue some of those ideas um, with things that I did. And I think Sean went on to really pursue, you know, some of the other ideas. And but it was kind of a cool thing to meet someone and bring very separate influences together and, and you know, make a band and, and share as you can with it. And, you know, we didn't do a lot, but, you know, we played a little bit of traveling for shows just around, around Iowa. And we had a good time. It was cool.
0: It gave you your first taste. And so
1: yeah
0: once you guys started to hit the road and you started to tour um and you started to exist beyond obviously just your kind of local scene i mean the scene that helped build and create because i think you guys were right around the time where it's like you know prior to that like you know in late 90s early 2000s it was very difficult um like the word hype wasn't used as frequently as it is now where it's like you know oh they're a hype band or whatever Um, and I, I definitely think that you guys, that, that label got thrown on you guys pretty quickly and not in a disparaging way, but just in a way that was like, oh my gosh, these guys literally came out of nowhere. And then all, I mean, and then all of a sudden, like a lot of people know who are identifying with it, you know, reacting at shows and that type of stuff. But to me, it always struck me that the path that you guys took was like, you were always trying to not actively, but try to kind of live beyond that where it's just like, Okay, we're not gonna be this band that's gonna put out one full length and then be done. Um, like we're we wanna shed this sort of this hype notion. Um was that was that something that you guys started to become aware of as the band obviously grew? Yeah, I think, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier, but if anything, you know, that that whole thing is just really frustrating
1: for me. Uh what what is hype? Well, people being excited about your band or talking about it and wanting to go to your shows or going to your show and then talking about it. I mean those are things that anyone who plays in a band that you really want that to happen. Right. So, and then when it happens, I guess too much, it becomes hype and then it becomes
0: <laughs> yeah. this negative
1: thing. So for me, it was kind of like, sort of like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know I mean? If, if people are coming out and they're excited or going nuts when we play or whatever it is, I, I want that. You know, I, I think that's great. And I'm totally the excited person you know like when i see even to this day like when i see a band that i've been waiting a long time to see like i'm over excited guy you know i'm the guy who's bothering people about going with me to see the band and talking about how great it was or <laughs>
0: yeah
1: whatever and I, I think that's great the other thing about that was like oh yeah they're just they're so hyped up like everyone on this band falls or, or whatever people say and then and then so you know we play a, a great show like with tally or you know we play Wherever we play, we have a great show. And then, but there's three nights later where we're playing. I don't know where. I don't want to like disparage anyone's town, but like, right,
0: right. I don't
1: know. Like we played, we played Baltimore on a very early tour, and there was only one paid person at the show. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, that's you yeah, know, that's Baltimore. You know, and right, and I that's fine. Like, that's like a pretty much a good memory. It's something that we can always like talk about and joke about, like how funny it is <laughs> and stuff. Right. It's kind of like, hey, we're a hype band. Like, everyone loves us. Like, that's great. But we are broke as fuck. Like, the majority of cities in America, we play to almost no one. If our van breaks down, which it's probably going to, like, we don't know how we're going to afford another one. Like, You know, all those things where it's just kind of like, you know, we're just barely uh, being able to find ways to keep doing what we're doing. And there's already people who are kind of trying to take that away from us by saying, oh, it's just hype. Yeah. It's just like, man, like, that's just so, it's so selfish and it's so short-sighted. If you love the scene that we're all allegedly a part of, then like, when those bands, you know, find success, however big or small, you should really encourage that and, and be happy for those bands. And I, I'm I'm talking on many levels, you know, like there's, like there are bands who, you know, will admit that they were influenced by our sound or things that we did, now bigger bands than we ever were. I think that's cool. Like, I think that's awesome, and I I'm happy for those bands that they were that we influenced them in some way, and that they're doing really really well for themselves now. Like, I I think it's awesome when a band can safely go on tour or you yeah, know sure draw draw a hundred people in like a very odd place in the United States, which isn't an easy thing to do at all. So I don't know. Like, it didn't it didn't really ever affect us. Oh, we had to do something or say something about it, but it's kind of like, man, like are some of these people so stupid that they think we're like making a lot of money, or that like yeah. that we haven't put in the work to like deserve this or something? You know, it's kind of like
0: it's humorous more than anything else because all all you do is look back and like you can laugh at that. You're like, oh, that's a that's a cute sentiment, but it's not rooted in reality.
1: No, it's it's really not at all. I mean, it's beyond such such a high level as a band to have making a comfortable living be like even a possibility and, and that's not not even necessarily that that's what like i was hoping what happen or we were shooting for but it's just funny when you're such a you're, you're in a scene that is such a small thing within the world mm. you know like no one no one gives a fuck about us you know like no one gives a fuck about our scene or all these bands that like we all listen to like yeah and the world at large it's they just don't care about us, you know? So, like, let's not...
0: Lose perspective.
1: Yeah, let's not lose perspective. Like, let's not fuck each other over and talk shit on each other and, like, my lyrics or whatever. No one really, like, takes me as, like, a positive guy or anything like that. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, that's really how I feel, you know? Like, I really, like, have identified with this music and this scene for a really long time. And it really... I spent a lot of my life in it, and it, it means a lot to me, and it's frustrating when people shit all over each other for no good reason you know and, and they think it it really means something it's like man it, it doesn't like <laughs> as soon as you have to go you know get a job or, or deal with whatever we all have to deal with to, to make it in, in real life like we we realized that this all should have been like fun and something that we did uh to fill our our creative sides and our you know to go out and have fun and relieve stress and to have friends who like you know watch our back and, and like her down for us you know and that's 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 the way i feel about it some of that is 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 perspective you know now that i have kind of had time to like look back on all this stuff like i have i think a a more clear perspective on it that i didn't always have right at least i have it now you know
0: yeah no no for sure and then uh after after modern life obviously was winding down and you guys were you know disbanding um you moved to LA and you lived in LA for a little bit, right? Yeah, I did. Was it was that just a reaction out of like this chapter of my life is now closed and I want to experience something new in a way? Like, what was your what was your focus as far as moving out to LA?
1: Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I, I I think that's pretty much it. What you said mm-hmm. right on, more or less. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. You know, it was just kind of like, all right, <laughs> like here it goes. What do I do now? And just I guess I was hoping to find at least especially in Iowa, you know it's it's hard to find work that isn't like there's certain types of things you can do for a living, and then when it comes to other things, there's limitations, and essentially, I just wanted to like be able to find out how to make some money doing something that I didn't absolutely love and despise, you know, and right. I guess I was kind of you know almost a thing of bullshit like land of opportunity kind of thing, you know, like oh you know, I'll, I'll go west and you know, find a find a pot of gold or something. And not that I was that naive about it, but just kinda of like, all oh, right, well I know what's around here. I feel like I just need to get away right now a little bit. I don't really know which direction I'm trying to head in life. And I'm just gonna do something just to do it. And I just need to get away get away for a little bit and go somewhere where I go somewhere I don't really know people and just kinda of clear my head and, and maybe along the way or you know, when I get there or whatever, like I'll figure some things out. And-
0: it's also safe to say that, you know, the, you know, Iowa isn't the cultural hotbed in regards to like, if you've been working in a creative field, which essentially that's what you were doing when the band existed, you know, it's not like there. Right. it's, it's not like you could, I mean, you know, LA and New York are the places that you go in order to try to figure out how to do something creatively. And so that totally makes sense. Yeah,
1: Yeah. So, you know, I had, I had a lot of different experiences out there and definitely like some really good, and some really bad. And now I was only out there for, you know, two years, basically. I, I look back on it as a really good time. Like I have fond memories of it, you know, came that point where I was ready to essentially go back home. You know, I was like, all right, I've I'm done
0: what I've done out here.
1: here. Yeah. So it's like, this has been what it's been and uh, I'm ready to go back home. And I guess by the time I headed back, one thing that I really wanted to do in mind that I knew I could do at home it was going to be hard for me to pull off out there. Um, but everything else in life was still a big, a big question mark and was totally unknown. And in a lot of ways, I was probably kind of at a low point uh, when I was when I was leaving there and heading back home. So,
0: Just because you hadn't, I guess, quote unquote, found what you were really looking for out here, I'm sure there was like an element of, okay, well, maybe I can return back home and be in a, you know, area of comfort that could kind of pull me out of, you know, whatever depression that you were feeling at the time.
1: At a certain point, like, after I got back home, like, a lot of reality set in that maybe I wasn't exactly dealing with at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I spent some time just sort of avoiding life um, or avoiding dealing with the things that I needed to deal with. I I don't know. I I almost think it was inevitable. Like, some of it really wasn't my choice. It was almost just, like, I was in a transitional period in my life, and there was nothing that anyone was going to be able to do to... uh, you know, make that time easier, make it go faster. Like it was just something like I was gonna deal with, and I think it was good that I did. But I didn't have a career, I didn't have any money, I didn't have any love in my life, and I didn't have any direction as far as the future. So it was like, all right, well, <laughs> so like, yeah, there's nothing, yeah. there's
0: nothing rooting me down here. So this, oh yeah,
1: this, no, so- it was just and, and like. It's funny because I, you know, I met so many, like, good people, and, like, I had so many fun experiences, and I was, was on my skateboard about every day uh, for, you know, over an entire calendar year, which is something I've never done before because never, the weather's never permitted it in my life, the place that I live, so <laughs> to have literally, like, uh, you know, skateboarding weather every day uh, is fucking incredible, so yeah, I definitely don't want to, like, uh, paint a picture like I was, I mean, you might have seen a broke dude, like, Skateboarding every day, and I like 40, is on the porch, but yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't exactly like the the picture of depression, you know. Like I did, right. Find a few jobs that I that I did pay that I could get by with money wise, and uh, you know, met some really cool like lifelong friends, did a lot of interesting shit, and you know, saw some crazy shit, and like it was, it was like really a good time, you know. It's really like kind of more about putting my tail between my legs and going back home. Sure. And really having to figure it out from there. That was like the that was like maybe the drunk and depressed uh right. <laughs> time.
0: I guess you could maybe view it as a sense of where it's like, okay, LA was the years that like, you know, you were running away from whatever was obviously happening, you know, back in Iowa with the band dissolving and all that type of stuff. Um, but then you could look at, like you said, the entrance of, okay, well, I, I can't stay in LA anymore. Uh, and then now I have to deal with the realities that I kind of, you know, didn't address, you know, three or four years ago or however long ago. And, uh, yeah, so like, I can see where you're coming from where it's like, okay, then the depression can set in and be like, wow, what am I doing? Where, where am I going to go with this?
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I dealt with the same thing with getting the band back together that I did with going back home. It was just like, all right, well, I can be really prideful and be really, you know, kind of quote unquote tough about it mm-hmm. and I like I could have stayed out there and I could have figured life out you know what I mean right but like I sort of knew that what I needed to do and what the right thing to do was to like go back home you know mm-hmm. and and so I, I had really had to swallow my pride into and do it you know, I really felt the same way with getting the band back together. I was like, you know, kind of realized like where things had gone wrong and where things had gone right and what I missed about it and what I don't miss about it. And I just was in a very real place with like, okay, this is what this band was and this is what it wasn't, these are the problems and whatever, but in my heart of hearts I knew that like I wanted to sing in that band again and that we all needed it and that it was the right thing to do. I, I'm a you know, I can be a prideful person. Like I really never wanted to play again like that was absolutely my intention and i had to look at it and go okay i'm to swallow my pride and, and eat my words and i fucking really don't want to do that like i like, just be like no nope, but nope like fuck off it's done you know like um yeah. yeah i've moved on like it's, it's fucking done like i don't care what anyone wants or has to say about it but you know with just being honest with myself like no this is what's right like and people are gonna have shit to say about that too. But like, you have to swallow your pride and try to do what's right for you, and, and not worry about like, you know, what you said a couple of years ago or the way you felt a while back. You know, it's like you do what you try to do what's right today, and, and not just be stubborn and stick to something that you know you were sticking to before when you didn't have perspective that you have now yeah
0: well i i know i think you hit on a really important point because i think in this day and age like uh you know like the band that i played in that was you know the like shaping point of my life was like we broke up in 2004 and i've done various reunion shows over the years because like we never Uh even, even though we were breaking up we never had that idea of like we didn't hate each other it was just like everybody's life went in a different direction we couldn't hold it together right so the fact that like bands definitively break up in this day and age it confuses me unless you do hate each other and you're like okay there's no way that this is going to ever happen again unless someone offers us a ridiculous amount of money um but like where where are you guys like i do believe that you were you know when you guys disbanded it was in that era of like yo you need to break up like that shit needs to happen Other you know otherwise it's like what are you gonna do like you know you can't say you're going on hiatus like there's all these dumb labels so it's like i think how you guys kind of you know, collectively sort of came back together, where it's like, okay, we're going to be active again, was a very, uh, you know, it it did it in a way that it didn't feel wrong, if that makes sense, you know, and I know that was obviously deliberate from your guys's perspective, because I just, you know, the idea when people don't hate each other, they just can't get it together for that period of time, you don't need to put this like, all right, RIP stamp, this is signed, sealed, delivered, we're never getting back together. And I think that's like, where you guys came you know, where you kind of came full circle, well, it's like, oh, okay, we still like each other. We just couldn't get our shit back together back then.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, things had started to fall apart and, and digress, you know, within the band. Uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I totally agree with you. Like, the hiatus thing is like totally correct. You know, even if it were not, you know, happen all over again, like, it's really hard because I, I remember my thinking at the time was just like, all right, well, Matt quit a few years ago and Chris quit after him and now like we're a different band and like it felt like things had so far from where they started and I was just like you know what we kept this shit together for as long as we could. I don't know it's almost like I just needed mentally I just needed to know that like that was done. Yeah. Like that's done moving on like okay like that band's done because it just it took up so much of my life so much of my heart and my mind for so long almost like even if it wasn't for anyone but me, I need to be like, I'm never doing that again. And that, you know, that in a way makes getting it back together even more like legitimate. Because then it's not like everyone's just kind of like holding their breath, waiting for like when the hiatus is over. It's kind of like no, it's done until we have a really valid reason to bring it back. I, I totally agree, but also I know I know where I was at at the time. Like this is fucking done. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. And there yeah. was
1: nothing. There was nothing that could have changed my mind about it at the time. <laughs> sure, I think, I think you'll always kind of have that, you know, where it's like, I mean, I would definitely give the advice to any band, like, don't, don't quit, don't break up, go hiatus. Like, why not? Like, right. But I, I think bands will still break up and get back together.
0: So. Oh, totally, totally. And I, I think, there's something to be said about, like, I mean, bands like the Rolling Stones. Of course, you need to say you're breaking up. Like, whatever. Like, bands that have made such a cultural impact from so many people you know there needs to be some sort of definitive uh stamp on it but it's like you know bands of our nature where it's like even the largest bands in our genre or scene you know like you look at a band like hot water music and it's like dude they can do their thing for as long as they want it doesn't matter like they 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 will always exist and that's fine because they care about each other as individuals but but it's like you know you see whatever you know, a band that is extremely popular in Warped Tour one year, and then the next year, they're broken up because they've had 17 member changes, of course you should break up. Like, that's because your, right. band, your band has no uh, lasting significance on what this is, but yeah, it's just, there's so much stuff wrapped up within these, you know, these words like reunion and, uh, you know, hiatus that it's like, they're so emotionally charged, you know, which is good, but
1: Yeah, I mean, my, you know, my goal, you know, I don't, and I don't know at what point it like kind of became my goal, but you know, I always said that what what I would like, ideally, and, that, and, and I don't know if, you know, this either has happened or if it could ever, but, you know, I think bands that become an institution are really amazing, you know, when and, and I, I consider hot water music like an institution, you know, like, I consider Sick of It All an institution, you know, those bands, and it's kind of like, yeah, what they do, is like they'll always be around, you know, like, how could, how could Sick of It All not be a band, or how could, you know, you know, they'll never just, like, be irrelevant, like it's just not going to happen. Like hot water music's not suddenly going to become irrelevant because of the changing landscape like, like, of <laughs> right, know, like, right. It's not going to happen, you know. And I like those are the bands that like uh, I think of a in the same way. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of bands who have done it, but like those are to me like really like the coolest fucking bands. Like it doesn't get any cooler than a You know, it's just like that's right. It's something you can't fuck with. It's something that's just like well. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really matter if you or someone does or doesn't like a veil. Like, a veil is a veil and they exist and they're important and they're not going anywhere and that's kind of what I always wanted for our band and and I think that's a good thing to, like, shoot for, though I think it's not something you can just work hard to attain. You know, I think that's something that either kind of happens with your band or, or it doesn't. I mean, you definitely have to put out, like, a number of records, like it's not going to be like one of those bands with not one record in yeah. institution, but like, right, right. You know, I, I think that it's kind of up to a lot of factors way beyond your control on whether something like that happens.
0: You can be cognizant of that and be like, okay, like you know, where modern life is wars is right now, where it's like, I think what you guys can do be be as active as you want to, be as creative as you want to, and that ultimately puts you in such a safe place to not be part of the machine that obviously chewed you guys up in the first place
1: right that's the that's the challenge right there you know and i that's kind of something we've all talked about is just let's do this truly on our own terms where we like if we don't we have shit going on and we don't want to play shows like we don't play shows and we're not we're not going to go on like a month-long tour supporting like x-man like it's not going to fucking happen like you know like right uh, we're not we're not going to feel any pressure to do anything. Basically it's kind of going to be like, all right, like well, it's 2014. Like what do we want to do this year? You know, like, yeah. Oh, do we want to record? Do we want to record a song or do we want to record 10 songs or, you know, not any. And we want to play or do we want to travel somewhere to play? Or do we just want to stay close to home? You know, I think it's going to be, you know, I think we'll be fairly active. There are a lot of people who do want to see us, which, you know, we appreciate. And, you know, we, I, I, miss, I miss things like that about it. Like, I want to go to, you know, I want to go to Atlanta and play. Like, yeah. I'll have fun there. Like, that's exciting, you know? Like, that's the shit we want to do. Like, we're going to try to do kind of as much as we can without, like, you know, becoming part of that machine that is like, all right, you need another tour. Okay, like, all right, you need to get back to Europe on your new record. Like, you know, all this shit is kind of like, well, we're just going to do whatever. <laughs> you know, like, we're going to keep this band together. And the most important thing for me is, uh, to write and record records and to play some shows yeah. and that's basically what i want to do like i don't care if we i don't care how many shows we play or how long it takes us to like write another record i just want to write songs and make sure that when we write songs we put them on records and then that we play some shows and pretty much the bottom line is, as far as the bottom line goes for me at this point yeah i think it's good and, and we all the, the sad part is we always have that And I just lost track of that mentality that I just never should have. I started feeling lots of pressure from lots of places. You know, that that pressure is as real as you allow it to be.
0: Yeah. Oh, and it's it's ultimately how you react to that pressure obviously tells a person's age and what their own experience is. And it's like, you know, having to make these really difficult, you know, business-like decisions in your late teens, early twenties, people aren't at their most prudent time <laughs> or a uh, clear mental headspace to be like, okay, I'm making these lasting decisions that will affect me for the next. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's totally understandable how you had to pull the plug and sort of draw that line in the sand. But yeah, regardless, I'm very glad uh, how you guys kind of introduced that to the world again and how you're kind of handling it. Cause it's, it's, like I said, it seems genuine, and that's uh, that's ultimately the most positive thing that I think that anybody can kind of take away from something like that. You know,
1: kind of like my requirement of getting this thing back together was that, like, you know, we have to write a, a record, and it has to make this whole thing worthwhile. And, it, and if it kind of doesn't, then I'm probably just going to kind of walk away from it. You know, we didn't we didn't announce anything or tell anyone really until we had pretty much completed writing the record that we knew was going to make this all worth it. You know. And uh, and that was kind of, that was a big thing for me, you know, like I, as much as maybe even part of me wanted to come back and do like a reunion show. Like I was really not going to do that. I was giving my, like justifying it to myself, but mm-hmm. then also justifying it to like, you know, people who like love our band, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, you guys are back. Like we've been gone for a long time. So you better have something to show for it. And I, I think that's okay. Like, I think that that's a good like mentality for people to have, like, you know, it's like, well, where the fuck have you guys been? You feel know, like, now you're coming back. You better want something from me besides, or, like, if I'm going to come and, like, buy a ticket or, like, buy a t-shirt or, like, travel to see you or whatever, like, you better have something from me, too. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, I kind of, I feel like that. You know, I feel like we should come back with, like, sort of an offering. And that's that's kind of, like, what fever hunting is. I really feel like after, you know, we've been done recording it for a while and I've been able to, like, listen to it and stuff, and, like, I, I really feel like it's people are going to feel good about it. You know, like, like oh, like, this is worth it. You know, like, even people that are skeptical about us coming back or something, or like, ah, uh, maybe I wish they would have stayed, like, broken up or whatever. I think they're going to listen to this record and be like, oh, shit, never mind. You know, like, I, I don't know if it'll be, like, their favorite record that we've done. Like, that's obviously super individual for people and depends on a time and a place and all those kind of things. But, I mean, it's, and you know, we really, really put our hearts goals into this record and it's uh it means a lot to us and i think that i think that you can really hear that in the, in the record and i think people are gonna feel that you know that like okay these dudes are back with like a purpose they're back there, there's a reason that this is going on you know it's
0: not bullshit and
1: uh you know
0: and i i hope the people who supported you in the past you want to earn their trust while at the same time showing that you obviously <clears throat> can still be creative in the year 2013 and still sound relevant as opposed to like Oh, here's you know some wash-up thirty-year-old hardcore kids. Like you want to you want to earn that. You want to show that's like, hey.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like you know, I, I, I absolutely so, and I'm totally like, if you know, if times have changed, and like you know, like I don't know, like there's definitely a lot of kids who were heavily into the hardcore scene now, who were not around at all when we ended, and that's that's kind of mind blowing because it doesn't seem like that long ago, but that's a reality. You know, it's just like. I just have to accept that if those kids aren't feeling what we do, then that's okay. And that if there's people who like used to be, you know, down for us and now like for whatever reason, aren't like, that's okay too. You know, and that's, uh, that's just kind of up to, up to those people to decide. But I feel really good about like the way we're doing things and and the record that, that we just made. And, you know, it's, it's worth it to me. And it's, it's been justified in my mind. So, how everyone else feels about it, of course, it's going to affect me. Like, I, I want people to be excited and people to avidly support in everything we do. That'll make it a lot more fun. But if they're not there, I, I don't think it's going to change anything about what we're going to do or how we're going to continue. You know, it's kind of like we we have we have that perspective now that we've always needed and it's, it's a relief to finally have it. And it almost allows you to be more creative and and to have more fun with what you do when you don't feel those pressures. You know, you're just kind of like, well, I know I know who I am, and I know why I'm doing this. And I want other people to feel the way I feel about it, but if they don't, that's okay. You know, yeah. And I've never never felt like that before, and I do now, and that's, that's a cool thing to have. I don't think there's any
0: more perfect way to end this on. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for hanging out, Jeff. I really do appreciate uh, yeah, all the time you put into this, and I hope it was fun for you.
1: Yeah, man, it was great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for this
0: interview. Okay, there you go. Anyways, the editor for this episode is Tom Richfield. Mad props as always. Great dude. Just just love him. My heart swells when I say his name. Until next week, I will talk to you then. Be safe, everybody.